Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 29, brought to you by Vacations. No, we're not doing that yet. We're going to do that starting day after tomorrow. So we're recording early, so we have less stuff to talk about. And it's already pretty late. And my neck stiff. So this is going to be a fast show. <laughs> speaking of fast. I feel like every show we complain about it being late and we're tired. It's it's like 7 it's o'clock. Just a running, it's a running theme. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8.15. It's not 7 o'clock where you are, is it? No. <laughs> it was like 7 o'clock just a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so while Kenny struggles with the concept of time, we're going to start by running through our Patreon supporters of Will, Tom, The Real Matthew, Ty, who has a question tonight, Scott, Phil Yo. <laughs> I think you can read that whole one. Nope. I'm just going to stop there. Parker, Rowan, Parker, Parker, E, Nick, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Lead Out Sports, Josh, Josephine Exotic, Jeff Allison. Big shout out to you for wrenching on your shitbox in the cold for the last week and a half. Jamie, Jake, Gordon, Garrett, Evan, Bill, Alec, Aaron, and then in the $20 club, we got Troy, Six Pack Outdoors, Ryan, Mike, Harley, Brady, Brad, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. And then we're going to jump straight into what we've been doing. And what I've been doing is since the last show, I had a birthday and it was cool. And Andrea made me cupcakes, and that was great. Josephine Exotic made you pie. Oh, my God. I ate all of her pie. (laughs) Um, So I had cupcakes, and I had pie, and I went skiing, and I went trainering, and we got like 14 inches of snow at our house. Yeah, we were going to do a birthday ride in Canyon City, but the Canyon City, the Fremont Adventure Recreation page, they were like, don't you dare come here and ride this weekend. It's still fucked. So that's that. And I'm now old. I officially feel old. So it's just. <laughs> is that why your neck is stiff? You're just, it's just feeling your birthday. Are you, it are is. you 40 yet? God, I'm 34. I'm so fucking young still, but I, I feel so old. Like some of the people that I work with, like this one chick, she's like 23. And I'm just like, I, I she's like, you always say you're old. And then she'll be like, I mean, she's just like newer to things in general. How do I don't know how to put this. She's 23 years old. She doesn't have the experience in the industry that some other folks do. So she has questions, rightfully so. You know, when someone's asking about like a 2011 such and such, she's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. I was shitting my pants back then. I mean, I hope that 11 years ago at the age of like 12, <laughs> she wasn't. But, you know, I don't know. She was using like raspberry lip gloss or something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But my point is, is like we chat a bunch and I'll be like, oh, I know that person. She's like, you know everyone. I'm like, I'm old. Of course I know everyone. So that's that. Kenny, are you turning 40 this year? Nope. Kenny's going to be 39. 39. That is correct. All right. I'm the only 40-year-old here. Well, I don't know where I was going with that. You were just talking about your birthday, and now you're oh, next I stiff, feel and old. everyone's young. One of my coworkers is like, you're not old, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm old, like, comparatively speaking, you know, and that is that. I feel like I had something Is that else. it? Is that, like, Matt's speed monologue? 
been getting my bikes ready to go to Solmo. Andrea's been super helpful there. She helped me find a gear that lets me actually run a short chain stay length on the rocker. And this vacation trip is going to be like the, the let's call it the deciding round, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you do, if you have a spot rocker and you're like, I want to run the wheel as far forward as possible in the dropouts, the 30-20 is your jam. It's basically like a magic gear that you turn the adjuster on the dropouts maybe a turn or two and tension the chain. Maybe a turn. I don't know. I just found, I literally, we have, I've done so much single speed that I have a lot of single speed length chains for various gear combinations and bikes. And I just picked the one that was the most stretched out so that I would have the best chance of being able to put it on Matt's bike. And yeah, 3020. So if you if you only speak in 32 tooth front ring jive, that's about a 3221. That's it. I'm that's all I got. All right. Kenny, what you been up to? Nothing exciting over here. Rode the Saran over the weekend. It was like in the low forties. I think it's gonna be pretty nice this week and this weekend especially. So I'll get out and do some more motorcycling and probably take a rip on the old Olivo. That's about it for me. Uh yeah, I've just been been doing JRA stuff. Our bottle sales are doing really well. As of a little bit before we started recording, I think we have what was it, seventeen? Nope, only four or five left. You better act now. <laughs> well, really by the time so this show will actually episode twenty eight posted today. We are recording episode twenty nine and this will not post until next Monday. Matt and I are going to be out of town, which is why this episode is brought to you by Vacation. So I will edit and schedule this to post on Monday to keep everyone happy, to keep your Mondays exciting. That's pretty much it. So it feels like we're talking way in the future. So it, it is very possible that by the time this show posts that those 17 sets of bottles will be sold out. Maybe. That'd be cool. How many bottles did we get made? Uh, 200. No, oh. 100. No. Sorry, 100. 100 bottles. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. And that that includes the ones we took out. That's like Matt and I aren't even taking bottles out of this if they like if if it is looks like they're going to sell out, we'll just sell all of them and order more and we'll get bottles out of that order because it'd be really cool to sell sell these out even though we wouldn't have bottles for our own bikes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like <laughs> it's not like I'm going to somewhere next week and i want to have if i was going to something you know like a festival where it'd be like yeah i want to have a bottle in my bike with our logo on it it'd be a little different but i'm going to the woods and probably more likely to see a feral hog or we're gonna see a feral uh billy simpson if you're from memphis you probably know who billy simpson is but other than that no one knows who that is or if you're an ultra runner yeah all right, well, do we have any? Did you do anything this week, or was that it? You just done show stuff, and then you talked about bottles, and you're done? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right, I'm, let's dive I'm into real questions. Happy. So, well, and another thing you'll realize when you... And no end in. When you listen to this, you will notice that we have not posted a video on on YouTube for a hot minute, and I'm sorry, I've just been too busy to edit the latest footage that I've 
done. Acquired. Acquired. So, yeah, sorry about that. I kind of feel like the, the podcast takes a little bit of precedent over that. So, so not that you yeah. guys don't do a ton of work, but could you imagine being a one-person or even two-person show and do, like, pretty in-depth YouTube content and edit that video and post at least a video a day or every other day? Like, I don't understand. That is That's an insane job. amount of work. Oh, I get it. But I think I don't think people fully understand how much time and expertise it takes to do that. Like it's unbelievable. People are like, "Oh yeah, that guy just makes money on YouTube." It's like bullshit. That is an <laughs> insane amount of work. Yeah, it really is. Even I think I did. I forgot what video it was. I did the whole I don't know four or five minute video in one take. And just putting, and I've gotten pretty quick at this, but just putting the JRA logo at the front and then doing the video and then putting the stuff at the end and then doing the transitions and exporting it and that takes a while and then uploading it takes forever on our internet. Just to do a six minute long one take, one clip, not even cutting stuff together video is like an hour to hour and a half process for that six minutes. Yeah. So and that's like the are you easiest not entertained? thing. You yeah. Like that's the easiest thing you can do is a one take, just straight shot video where you're not cutting anything together, cutting anything out, whatever. Like easiest thing you can do takes an hour and a half at a minimum. And the one that I'm looking at now, I did a break bleed and give some tips on uh, servicing your brake caliper. That is not something that is in the SRAM video. And I think it's interesting, but it's just going to take a while because it's it's a lot of information. So to hash through all that and make a an entertaining video that people want to watch most of is, you know, takes a while. Yeah. And then imagine managing like B-roll footage and voiceovers and all that other kind of stuff. Like it, it's insane. Um, so is there any new stuff that you hate or don't hate, Kenny? I can't think of anything new that I've seen that I hate. Yeah, sorry. I kind of, yeah, I kind of wrote like I, I've been keeping track of industry news for Matt's upcoming podcast that'll happen after we vacation, and I think the one thing that really stands out out of all the little articles that I looked through was that there is a fake website right now, and they are claiming to, and I don't know if the website's still up. I'll have to click on their link. They're claiming to sell Cane Creek, Wolf Tooth, and Whiskey components at ridiculously low prices, like a Helm Fork, a Cane Creek Helm Fork discounted to $89. That's weird. Like, yeah. surely they can figure out who that is pretty quickly. Um, it actually, if you go to the bicycle, I won't go through all the details here because it gets really, I don't know, tedious, but... Apparently, they're having, like, Cane Creek has been going through trying to figure out who it is, and it's like, oh, well, you have to go here to look, and then, oh, we're just uh, hosting this, and there's an IP pass-through, and we don't know, uh, let's see, it's there is something being hosted by Server Mania, and Cane Creek can't get in, per in touch with anyone there, so it sounds really weird. I saw something a lot like this last year when I was looking for ammo for my rifle 
you go to this website and it looks You need totally to send me this website because I want to try to scam them. <laughs> I will. I'll just send you the bicycle retailer link. But so I went to this, I found this ammo website and it looks 100% legit. It looks like a normal web store. But when you go to the checkout and the stuff is like, it's like a little too cheap. I saw it and they have a minimum box. Like you have to buy five boxes of ammo or something. And it's like, well, okay, you know, they have good prices. I can do that. And then you go to the checkout, and they're like, "You must pay with Bitcoin or Amazon gift cards." Yeah, that's which um, was at least that is big... like overtly sketchy. You know what I mean? Like you would. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> just very sketchy. By the way, you're probably aware of it, but if you're not, Ammo Seek. Yeah, yeah, is, I use a, that. is a good site, and then you can you know filter and do all that stuff. Yeah, that one is that one is really good. It's where I found all my ammo that I ordered last year. All right, but yeah, I thought that would be something good to warn our listeners about is just like in everything else in life, if it seems too good to be true and you find a Helm Fork brand new for $89, you probably won't get a Helm Fork when you send that company $89. You will get nothing except sad. All right, do we want to move on to listener questions? Sure. Dear God, yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's start with Patreon. We have a question from Ty. He says, I have a 2021 Fox Factory 36 29-inch 160mm travel fork. I want to increase the travel to 170. What are your thoughts on the Flex? Fox says it can be done with a long travel chassis, but how would I know? Or should I just get the 38 170mm? My bike likes to party. Stumpy Evo, 159mm with Cascade, but I don't want to be overserved. Just get a 38 and let her fucking buck. <laughs> so I mean, my, my big question... Uh, go ahead, big Andrea. You are. Well, I was going to say how big you are in your riding style. I don't think you would dislike... If, like, if you have the cash to just drop on a 38 for a 170mm fork, then by all means, get the 38. You know, you're just not going to have to... You're not going to have to uh, worry about flex, even if it's imagined when you're on that 36. You're never going to think about it if you have the 38. But go ahead, Kenny. Do you know how he would know if he has the long travel chassis? To be honest, I didn't even know that there were different chassis. So that's news to me. I have no idea. Um, Probably contact Fox with the serial number. But I've never heard yeah. of a of different chassis on the new new forks, so I have no idea. I've definitely seen Fox thirty six one seventies. You can definitely buy one seventy air springs. The damper's rated for one seventy. Uh, I believe some some model enduros. I believe come with thirty sixes from the factory. So it's not like that unusual. Is it going to be just like a horrible experience and so flexy that you can't ride the bike? Like, no, I don't think so. I would say that if you're in that 200-pound ballpark or heavier, it's probably not a great plan. If you're like 160 pounds, I think it's going to be fine, and that way you don't have to buy a whole new fork. The Fox 38 is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't think there's like a night and day difference. If you ran like a Fox 38 at 160 and a Fox 36 at 160, I don't think you would really notice a huge difference. But when you're talking about all the way out to 170, that's when you're going to start seeing, I think, a difference. 
uh you could get crazy you could put a dual crown on there get like a or you an, could just get get an olin's dh38 like a big boy <laughs> or just get a 38 180 don't be a bitch about it <laughs> uh, my, so my next question is what are you doing are you trying to in purposely change the geo of the bike by putting that fork on there or do you think that your bike's going to party harder because you have that extra 10 mil travel because i would argue it's probably not going to party that much harder yeah i can i can see that you know the i haven't talked to a ton of people who have switched from a 36 to a 38 i've had one person who was a customer of mine at the bike shop who is a very large gentleman who rides really hard I mean, he, he used to be a downhill person. I think he still does some downhill. And now he has, he went to the 38 as soon as it was available and just swears by it. But I don't know. How large do you think, how much do you think he weighs? You know who I'm talking about, don't you? The guy with the Raptor? Yeah. I mean, he's six foot four and easily 245 or 250 pounds. Like, he looks like the kind of dude that would, his demeanor is he would, step on a, a a dandelion and be like, oh, shoot. He reminds me of Barney. Yeah, he's just like so nice, but I have a feeling that you could uh, you, you, you could give him just some, some Coke or something, and before you know it, he'd just be like <laughs> drinking the blood of his enemies. So, you know, um, I think where I'm going with this, I don't have any plan uh, so i'm just making this up as i go along if you haven't noticed uh, the plan or the the point is is this dude is really big he's so nice and he's so gentle but you know that every day when he gets on the bike he's just like that guy that was rude to me i could have just punched him in the face and killed him and he rides his bike that way <laughs> he loves the 38 and says it's night and day over the 36 so and i could not bring myself when he was telling me how much he loved it to be like yeah, dude, you're 50% more human than I am. You got so much more person. <laughs> exactly. So I, th I think another way to look at this is I look to top-level racing to kind of see what they're doing. I think when you see, for example, World Cup cross-country people running Fox 34s and 120 travel, even in the rear, and they're all running droppers, they're all running full suspension, Go look at the Enduro World Series. I would say maybe half, could be less than half of the people are on 38 chassis forks. So Zebs and Fox 38s. Everybody else is on smaller chassis forks. And I would argue they rally harder than most. So yeah. is the Fox yeah. 38 necessary for a smaller rider? I just don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you would dislike the 38, but... I don't know if you would notice a difference between the two at 170 if you're not the size of the guy that we're talking about. Yeah, I rode a 36 at 170, and it just partied. I had no problems with it. I never felt it flex. Yeah, it just it's just not a flexy fork. Okay, let's keep moving along. Oh, yeah, I wanted to just give some extra thanks to Mike from Patreon. Uh, he didn't have any more questions, but we were talking about archery stuff. And last week we mentioned in an episode he has worked in an archery shop before. And he has lots of extra stuff. And he is sending me some 
a, a care package, an archery care package. So thank you, Mike. That's awesome. Now, Tom wants to know, rival or apex for a gravel build? The price difference is 150 pounds. They don't weigh that much different. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's British money. Uh, but equally long lead time, is it worth the extra poundage? Um, personally, I'm always a fan of more poundage. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I'm gonna have to edit that out. That's fine. So <laughs> coke fueled rampage can stay in, but extra poundage <laughs> cannot. I don't. I, I don't I told think... him. I told him that I think that rival shifts a little bit smoother than apex, but they're both gonna work. The apex gets a little bit jankier as it wears out if you're gonna do miles on miles on miles. There's some plastic in Rival. There's some metal in Apex. Right. So right off the top, they're going to feel pretty similar. But I think the Apex, you know, if it's going to be a bike you're putting a ton of miles on. Oh, I'd say after 2,000 Ks, the, the Apex would be ready for the bin. <laughs> Trying to speak in, in British lingo here. <laughs> yeah, Rival to Apex is pretty similar to NX to GX. Does NX shift? Yeah, sometimes, but <laughs> GX is way better. <laughs> that should be, you know, there was like take the leap or black box technologies, you know, all the all the SRAM stuff. <laughs> NX, it shifts sometimes. That's right. If they, you know, I think if if it's kind of like how, I don't know how I would ride a gra if I had a gravel bike. I would probably go with the cheaper one because I literally would ride it four times a year and it would still, they'd feel the same after four rides in a year. If it's going to be your main bike, you put all your miles on, I'd go with the rival. By the way, I just want to give a shout out to the engineers out there because I feel really bad when you come into the office and you go to a meeting and you're like, hey, that XO shifts pretty good. Uh, your goal is to make it worse. So that's a bummer. I... So I'm sorry for that assignment. I know that stuff exists because you were forced to make it exist. I have uh, a thought there. Sure. I don't think they say we want to make it shift worse. I think they start from we want to hit a certain price point and then work towards an acceptable level of decline in quality. Well, the engineers know what that means. It's hey, you can sure, no longer you, gotta, you can no longer gotta, make it the way that you want and to make it the best that you possibly can with the technology available. You just need to make it and <laughs> you're going to like it. So, I'm sorry. All right. Next question on our list from Dave Geifer. I don't know. That's his Instagram name. Mountain bike races that appeal to y'all. Kenny, are you going to do any e-bike racing? No, I'm fully retired. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, but my favorite <laughs> form of racing was definitely the more endurance stuff. Just that one. It, it's just as hard, like on your body and everything. And it's just more enjoyable to me. You get longer time to settle in and do stuff. You know, positioning is not as important. 
it's just not, I'm not into the big like shoulder to shoulder stuff. I'm not a crit guy. Um, I prefer the me versus the course thing, not me versus the guy next to me thing. Cause I don't really care about the guy next to me. I care about the course. So in six hours, that shit works itself out. It does. And it's also more enjoyable. Like you get to maybe talk to people, you know, experience issues together, whatever it is, you know, watch these little groups kind of form and change over time. The camaraderie. Yeah. It's just more enjoyable to me. So that's the kind of racing I like. And for me, that was like the, we'll call it the six hour racing, the 50 milers, that kind of stuff. That was my favorite. What was your favorite specific race? Oh, can I guess? Favorite specific race? That's a good question. I mean, I had a bunch of them that I liked. I'm trying to think ones that I disliked, and I can't think of many that I disliked. Silomo had its its appeal because it was a very like raw trail, and conditions were always crazy different. It was usually <laughs> raining and tornadoing. I don't know. I had fun at almost all those kind of Mid-South ones, all the ones in Arkansas were good. Uh, the Love It Trail stuff was good. Silmo was fun. I'm sure there's a zillion more races out there now from when I did it 10 years ago. It's crazy to think about it that that was like 10 years ago that I was doing that stuff a lot. Because probably from 2012 to 2014, I was the most active. I don't know that I have a favorite. Nothing like super stands out. What do you guys think my favorite race was? I... I just think because of your tinker story that uh that Spa City race. Yeah, Spa City's fun. I mean that course is is okay. It's I prefer I, those little bit longer loops. I prefer not to race the ten mile loop stereotypical courses because you do whatever, six laps or eight laps or something crazy. I definitely like it when it's maybe twenty mile loops, twenty five mile loops or Better yet, one giant 50-mile loop. That stuff's a lot more fun to me. I always liked that race because the loops were short enough that there was everyone there, meaning like literally Tinker showed up one race. Well, it used to be part of a USA Cycling, now defunct, endurance series. But my point is, is like everyone could, it was, the course was fairly easy. Like I feel you could ride most of that course on a $800 hardtail and you wouldn't die. No, uh, none of it was just... like super rough or super difficult. Like there was, there were no like long climbs. Like the longest climb was what, a hundred yards or something. It was, nothing was for real. Can you think of like a super long climb there? There was that one that had yeah. some switchbacks, I guess. That was a little bit longer, yeah. but it was what, an eighth of a mile or something. It was really pretty short. It was lots of up and down. Definitely tons of up but and yeah. down. It was classic mid south where it was go fast in the right places was important. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say is the course was really accommodating, but it it also got harder. There was a speed thing there. You know, the faster you went, the harder the course got, but also in some ways the more rewarding it got because you carried a little bit through here, carried a little bit through there. Oh, um, for sure. I really enjoyed that event. I, I had some really highs and some really lows there racing that race over the years. Um, I broke a Crank Brothers pedal there once. I, I remember that. I flatted there. I had a terrible race there once. <laughs> and then I had a really, really swell race there once. And I, I'm just glad. 
glad that I got to do those. That race is gone, though. You know, the thing with Solomo is it was a little bit different vibe at that race, a, a little bit more high strung. So I always enjoyed that event. Because you had to go as hard as possible up the climb or else you would be behind... People. 76 dudes that went way too hard up that the climb. was yeah. a really tough endurance race because of just that it had that cross-country start because if you didn't you actually truly paid the price because there were people that like i don't even all they did was like ride the trainer or something and they've never actually ridden a real bicycle in their life and they're going hard what? as fuck up that climb and then they duck into the single track and it's not even difficult single track out of the gate and people are like endoing and flying off the trail and going three miles an hour it was horrible well it it's not necessarily the most difficult single track but it is you get dumped into kind of a technical section of the yellow trail like intermittently and it doesn't really let up like that whole side of the trail system is just kind of rocky and punchy let me set the stage quarter mile of pavement literal 90 degree turn from pavement onto gravel 1.1 mile, 11% average grade. And the beauty is the Forest Service was nice enough to come out and grade it before the race for us every year because it had big ruts and stuff in it. So they would literally grade it. It was a closed road that wasn't open for normal traffic, to my understanding. And it just didn't get driven. And then you raced your mountain bike up it and literally, so quarter mile, 1.1 miles, turn into fucking single single track 400 people on the start line so right. yeah th- that first climb was hell yeah it was terrible so where were we going the with best... that question i, I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> races the, that... best, the, the mountain bike races oh they're asking what yeah. type of yeah. racing we liked um and it was the the longer stuff and i want to get back into that i thought i was going to sign up for a six-hour race here and i'll be honest i I got really excited. It's about an hour from the house. Cost is pretty reasonable. It's a six and 12 hour event. I'm like, cool, I could do the six hour. That's cool. And I went out and rode the course and I don't know that I want to ride there for six hours. <laughs> and and the the real reason is the level of riders in Colorado is a good bit different than what we saw in the South. There's just more people that are a bit quicker, I think is a good way to put it. There's definitely fast people in the South. Don't get me wrong, but there's more people. You're more likely to way different. Colorado and Utah are way different when it comes to racing. Like, sorry, (laughs) it just is. Yeah. And the thing is, is that dude on the, you know, gen three tall boy, might be an old, like, washed-up collegiate XC junior ski champion or something. You just don't know, you know? So <laughs> it, it's just tough. And where I really do well, the there was that race, the Salida 720, 12 hours on the, like, S Mountain Trails in Salida. I did really well at that event because I'm such a good technical rider. And to the point that in the most technical zone, at one point I was going fast enough. I guess I was making enough noise that when I realized there was a rider that I was lapping in front of me, they were already off their, I guess they had been walking this section. They were off their bikes and off the trails, like slack jawed as I came like busting through. Yeah. Um, This lap race course. So lap race courses tend to be somewhat non-technical or just have. Not this one. No, this one has, this is the trail that I think a few episodes ago I talked about. I've got 
just something happened in my brain that prevents me from riding this 12 foot section of this trail. I don't know. It might be 20 feet, but yeah, it's it's one move. Yeah. Just something about it. And, and this is in a lap race and I, I considered myself to be a good rider. I'll ride most things. And yeah, this is in the lap race course for the endurance races, this really rowdy fun, but really rowdy downhill. And the, problem i'm running into is this race that the course that I, the race is on i don't even know what i was that came out really terribly uh, the course that the race is on i could ride it rigid it wouldn't i mean it wouldn't be super comfortable it's kind of a bumpy course but i could definitely it's not like there would be sections that i just flat out can't ride because it would kill me you know it would just be a little bit slower and after one lap i'd be a little tired i'm not saying i could race it rigid i'm just saying it's it doesn't appeal to me because it's not like okay you do a big climb and then some techie stuff and then this techie stuff and then you pedal some more and then a techie thing and do it all over the people that just have big engines and can motor and it's not like oh i'm not gonna go race because i don't it's just the course is not it doesn't make you think you don't look at the course and you think that's something fun and I want to ride that for six hours. Exactly. I think I would struggle to go out and ride there for three hours. Just being honest. So I want to race again. Uh, what is that race that's over near Gunnison? Gunnison Growler? Yeah, they took yeah. the long option out this year. You would do well at the Gunnison Growler. That's a really, it's technical stuff. Just and. It's like real technical for a minute and then super flowy for a minute. It's really fun. It's a really fun course and it's hard, but it's all very much. It's all a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. The Gunnison Growler is fun. It's just it's a cold start. But other than that, it's fun. It warms up quick. The 720 is happening again this year. It's just two hour or two months earlier this year. And I'm like, dude, there's no way I can ride for 12 hours in April. Come on. <laughs> dude. Like, May was fine. It was cold in the morning, but I didn't need shoe covers. And then by the end of the day, I was, like, sleeveless. And May or April? Dude. It could be snowing in April. Yeah, you could be in snow. You could... It could be 70, or it could be snowing, or it could be both. What else? Let's keep rolling. Oh, well, I, I, I haven't talked about mountain bike races. That oh, I've my God. I'm just going to put my head down on the counter. Let me know when you're done. I'm just tired. I need to recharge. I'm sorry other people besides you need to talk in this podcast. I'm not I'm I'm just saying <laughs> I need to recharge. I like mountain bike races that are either cross country and over in an hour or things like Vapor Trail 125 where it's takes some people upwards of 20 hours to finish the course. And sometimes stuff in between but those are both, those are my two fun zones right there. Are super hard for an hour or just lots and lots of attrition and lots of chances for stuff to go wrong and just hours of just bike therapy. But that's it. Like Vapor Trail 125. And then I, I was thinking about this year, my, the races I want to do are like the GoPro games because they have a $500 single first place single speed is $500 at that that race so i often have the chance to go and make a little bit of money there 
and I, I like racing that distance, but then also do Vapor Trail. What's the which, distance of the GoPro one? Oh, it's a cross-country race, so it's like two, it's, I think, two laps for single speed, and they're probably six or seven mile laps. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's extra, just full-on cross-country dickhead stuff. You climb the ski, basically climb the ski resort road, and then descend on single track, and it's it's lots of fun. It's it's a nice course. I do miss cross country racing. Yeah, I like cross country just because you can go and do it, and it's over. And I don't know, I I like that just also from doing cyclocross for so long and road racing and crits for so long. You know, it's it's just one of my favorite ways to race. All right, we want to keep moving. Yeah, but I had my it. eyes closed against my arm, and now I can't see anything. <laughs> someone says new vikings gm discuss dune laker i have no fucking clue what you're talking about moving on i think that's an nfl question i i know that but that's <laughs> the end of it dj scaws 505 says about that one time y'all almost died i don't know this one. <laughs> what time kenny was there a time that all three of us almost died i don't know was th- is this a question about our own personal Maybe it's just asking about yeah, individual experiences of when you almost died. Well, uh, Kenny, what's, what have you done that has almost... And it doesn't even have to be bike-related. One eternity later. <laughs> I can't almost talk about died. All Yeah, the probably like motorcycle and car stuff. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we used to do a lot of dumb stuff when we were younger. We still do some of it now. Like blowing stuff up and uh, doing teenagery stuff <laughs> uh like on a mountain bike i can't think of anything like, like crazy exposure that got like sketchy or anything like moose uh, encounters or lightning or yeah i've never had any gnarly lightning experiences i've had a couple uh a couple in colorado it really doesn't happen in utah we don't get that like sneak up on you stuff that happens in colorado but um, I wasn't like scared of dying or anything cause we had pretty good cover. Uh, but definitely at like, God, it was high up. It was 10 or 11,000 feet in Colorado and some giant hailstorm came through. That was not fun. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I blew up a collarbone, but that was not like, that was not, I was not scared of <laughs> death or anything. It was more of like, ah, shit, that's definitely broken. This is going to suck for at least 24 hours. Like but that's major about inconvenience. It. Yeah, yeah. It's you know being in in major pain for that amount of time, but it's more of the just like knowing that I have no control over this anymore, and a surgeon is going to have to fix me, <laughs> uh, right. and knowing that you there's nothing that you can do for X amount of time. But no, other than that, I, I haven't had any any gnarly experiences on the bike. Sorry, not very exciting. I have enough for everyone. I I could do an entire episode of the times that I've done something where I definitely could have died. <laughs> so I can't just pick one. Like it starts when I'm a kid. We went on vacation to Alaska when I was in fourth grade and we went to a glacier and my parents were distracted and the next time they looked, they were like, Hey, where's Andrea? Andrea is out climbing on the fucking glacier alongside people with ice axes and shit just in like a london fog windbreaker and velcro (laughs) shoes just 
climbing on the glacier. I was doing that. That was probably the first time. And I, I just, I can't keep going with it. There's just been too many times. Definitely. Yeah, I, I've had I've had a lot of, again, I won't bore people with them, but yeah, between uh, sport bikes and cars, um, you know, 100 plus mile an hour tank slappers, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> mountain biking is pretty safe, people. If you wear a helmet, pretty much the worst thing you're going to do for the most part is like break a bone. It's not going to be a huge deal. Lightning or yeah, you get struck by lightning or eaten by an animal, I guess. But again, gr- big picture, grand scheme of things, like it's pretty safe. When you get to talking about like motorsports uh, or like any type of base jumping, um, skydiving is not particularly dangerous. Uh, but yeah, base jumping for sure. Uh, Travis Pastrana just wrecked his ass uh, base jumping. A bunch of his buddies died base jumping. Let's see. Yeah, all the like paragliding, hang gliding stuff is uber dangerous. So I think we've got a, a pretty good sport here. Mountain biking, not so bad. So I think the one thing I can interject there is speed. Everything you talked about was faster. So while mountain biking feels really fast, it's pretty slow. All things considered. It you is, know, yeah. I have a, the the I have likelihood a the likelihood bike. of death at under thirty is like it's just pretty low, especially if you're wearing a helmet. Um, everything else is going to be, you're going to blow a bone out. And that's about it. Right. And, you know, my point is, is like my dirt bike's pretty shitty. You know, it's a 2005 CRF 450X. When I say shitty, it's not like it's hot, new 2023 gnarliness, right? And it'll go 82 miles an hour. Just, just crank her up and give her the beans. She does not mind, you know, and, that's kill you speed. You know, that's when you fall in the ditch and hit a rock and you suddenly stop from 80. That's really bad for you compared to crashing your mountain bike at 19 miles an hour. That's just kind of bad for you. So um, I'm going to give a different answer. That's a lot of like pretty polar opposite. I'm pretty tame. I'm kind of a boring bitch, to be honest. <laughs> um, never, never really did a bunch of dumb stuff when I was a kid. Um, you know, played with fireworks. Uh, I think to, I can go back and trace to a thing that definitely led to me having tinnitus today with fireworks for sure. But the, the bigger thing that I would say like near, near death is a different thing. That's, I think a lot scarier than what Andrea and Kenny have talked about for me, because I was in control the whole time. Um, and it was last summer, Andrea and I did a ride and the perfect storm, all puns intended, happened. Uh, my fitness wasn't great, so the climb took a lot longer than we anticipated. And then the storm moved a bit quicker than we thought it would. And my hydration bladder had been leaking just a tiny bit, so I was a little bit wet. And I forgot my rain jacket. So here we are at, what, ten five? Yeah, the top of Marshall Pass is close to 11. Yeah, so we're near 11. And it starts hailing a little bit. And we have to bomb a, what, six-mile descent? Um, six or seven, yeah. So six or seven mile with 2,500, 3,000 feet of loss. The first three miles, you're just falling out of the sky, basically, on rocks. I mean, I it's, mean, it's a it's, Jeep road. Yeah, it's a Jeep road, but it's not an easy 
it's a jeep road. I mean, it's I could, not just a gravel road. I could drive my truck up it. Yeah. It would be a little tough, but yeah, the truck would go right up it. But the point is, is I descended for seven miles in the rain with no jacket in Colorado, and I was, I was so cold. At one point, I stopped. I opened my emergency blanket. I stuffed it as far down into my bibs as I could and like tried to pull it out of each sleeve of my jersey, like under my clothes to hold it in place. That was a really good idea, by the way. That was really smart thinking. Well, it was smart, but the the reason I say this was scary is for so long, I was playing this game where I need to go fast to get down. I can't afford to crash. I was so cold. I knew that if I did something dumb and pinch flatted a tire or had a crash where I popped my shoulder out or even jammed a finger where it made it harder to ride, I knew that something that trivial could make that situation exponentially more uncomfortable. And it was probably, I'm not going to say the coldest, but it was top three coldest I've ever been. And I just say top three because I can't really think of other times I've been colder with less control. Meaning it, it wasn't like I was cold. That was pretty much your first brush with some real hypothermia. Yeah. But again, I guess where I was going is it wasn't like I was cold at home. Like, oh, you're shoveling and you swamped your boots and now your socks are wet and you're starting to get really cold. But you've only got a show for 20 more minutes. That's nothing. You know, you're just being dumb then. But this was a thing where it's, it was a situation. I'd yeah. say that was like the, the not almost died, but that thought of you have to do everything else right or this could get a lot worse. Right. So, Well, that's I think that's kind of your first time to experience something that could possibly, in an extenuating circumstance, kill you. Well, I guess that's a bit different, though, than when, and I've never experienced it, but if you if you mess up at 100 miles an hour on the motorcycle and save it, that happens in a few seconds. It's it's not something that goes on for 35 minutes. Right, right. right. Is, I guess, my point. Yeah. is I had time to, like, live in it. Right. So. And that's tough. You know, if you have hypothermia, your brain doesn't work as well. And I can just say from, like, an outside looking in perspective, since I was with you, you handled it really well. Because a lot of people wouldn't think, I need to get my emergency blanket out and make a vapor barrier under my jersey. Or I need to really, really, really focus on how I ride down this hill so I don't wreck and hurt, you know, make it worse. So, yeah, I, you you did good. Well, let's talk about something else I did good on. Gregory <laughs> James 73 says, your thoughts... and <laughs> ex- moving right along. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts of experiences with the few crank-based power meter options for super boost spacing... Or other viable choices. Okay, sorry. Andrea had highlighted it, and sometimes I struggle to read highlighted text. It gets really weird looking to me. So, Gregory, I went on a huge journey, and I drew pictures and told Andrea how right I was. (laughs) And then the next day, I called Cork to make sure that I was as right as I thought I was, and then Cork gave me even better news. So we're going to start with the best news, which is Cork is now making a Super Boost chassis four super boost bikes so it's super boost dub crank set you would use a standard boost power meter spindle because the super boosting or sorry a boost spider 
with a super boost chassis and that gives you the proper 55 millimeter chain line for a super boost bike such as pivot trail 429 and there is a new scott that's running a 55 millimeter chain line of some sort i don't know much else about it past that uh, i think evil does that too on something don't they don't yeah. they have a super boost bike yeah evil does super boost okay. that's right but the thing that i was thinking that does work because essentially all you're doing with that super boost chassis is you get a longer spindle and that's it so to make things really confusing you have what i refer to as a mountain chassis that is a standard dub chassis and then you have two chainring options or in this case two power meter options and those dictate the offset Okay, so that would be a three millimeter or a six millimeter offset for boost or non-boost respectively. The big thing about super boost chassis, the drive side is boost. Every If you were to think of the word super and boost, super happens on the left, boost happens on the right. <laughs> Literally, that's how it works. The drive side arm and the chain ring or the spider for the power meter those are boost so if you just keep that in your mind you're going to be golden where i'm going with this is you could theoretically run a boost if you had a super boost dub bike and you had a boost power meter you could just move that drive side arm over bada bing bada boom now you're power metering so i can but, help i can help people out there with a simple flow chart on thinking about buying a power meter to acquiring a power meter. And it goes like this. Is it a quark? No. Should I buy it? No. That's it. <laughs> Not even SRM? Is nope. it a quark? Yes. Should I buy it? Yes. I think that that'd be correct. the other half of that. But you I should think... only buy it if it fits your bike. Well, then quark is now making shit that fits super boost. Oh, I'm really excited. My buddy told me to buy a power meter. Uh, well, the moral of the story is buy a quark, uh, but don't go on the internet and just buy the first thing that says quark on it. Because if you buy some old ass piece of shit or something that's GXP or BB30 or something, it might not work in your modern bike. So when there's I mean, all kinds of specifications, of shit, be outdated. when there's all kinds of specifications after that, things like boost or super boost or dub, and you don't know what said things mean, don't buy it. Figure out what you need first and then buy it. Right. Because you they make cork in road stuff too. So don't buy a road crank for your mountain bike just because it says cork on it. Yeah. That's what we got there, Gregory. So you should buy a cork. It exists now. Uh, are we going to do one more speed round? Super quick. Let me find one that we can do quickly. Dead or nah? 27.5, not plus, cross-country frames and wheels, 29 plus anything, 27 plus anything, 26 plus, single speeds, old school geo mountain bikes, I contend still better than new geo for East Coast twisty trails. So we can rapid fire dead or nah. 27.5, dead or nah. In just like regular size for a cross-country, we're talking cross-country here. He's yeah, twenty seven five cross country frames and wheels. Uh yeah, I mean if unless you're a little kid, dead. 
Yeah. If you're over five foot tall, you should not ride that ride. Yeah, exactly. 29 plus. I'm going to give my answer. I think that 2.6 and 2.8 is ultra interesting, but I think full 3.0 was just too much. I agree. 3.0, 29 is it's just too a heavy. A lot of fucking It's tires. just too heavy. I never got to ride it, so I can't Yeah, I rode really a Krampus. Say. I rode a Krampus a little bit. Entertaining, yeah. Would I want to own it? No. Yeah, I can see that. I really want to get my, my Timberjack set up with like a 2.6 rear, 2.8 front. You know, I can't. I would say, though, on a Krampus, you're dealing with a lot of weight just in bike and wheel. I would be really interested to try, say, my Voitech with a set of 29 plus wheels, which are compatible with it. But I don't have a set of Fat Bike Hub 29 plus wheels. So eh. I, I would definitely try it if I just happened upon a, you know, someone's like, oh, I'll sell you that wheel set for 50 bucks. And it's a, you know, Midweight. Still buy three hundred dollars worth of tires. <laughs> I would definitely give it a a good shot before I would say totally dead, but probably dead. Okay, so what, right. what's the next size? Twenty seven five plus. plus. Twenty seven plus anything. Uh, I think it's dead personally. Yeah, very small market. Uh, over sixty five years old, riding in a way of high self preservation in mind. Great thing. For your everyday shredder, it's dead. Twenty six plus. Who? It, it was never Fat alive. Bikes? Yeah, that was no, never. No, they're talking like a thing. I don't really understand what even it that sort question of was. Is. It's sort of a thing, but it's such a sort of thing that it's not even really a thing. Uh, single speed. Single speed ain't dead. Fuck you, not Johnny dead. B. <laughs> Old school geo mountain bicycles. Hold on, I, I just want to say one thing about single speed real quick. It's not that single speed is dead. It's that gears don't suck anymore. Right. I think that's a bigger thing. That's kind of like people who still swear by bikepacking on rigid forks. It's because they're old crotchety dudes, and when they started bikepacking a long time ago, forks sucked, and they weren't reliable. Yeah, I mean, if the last fork you rode was a Quadra 21R, then yeah. And a set of Hayes hydraulic brakes, and now they're like, I only run mechanical brakes because hydraulic brakes suck and they're not reliable <laughs> well, i will say and, i see a lot of 20 year old haze breaks that still somehow work dude <laughs> they, they work the same you, as they did day one which is let's be honest here pretty mediocre but they still feel the same let's do another tagline haze breaks they stop <laughs> so uh, my last thing about old gear sucking it's not like xt9 speed where you'd hit a bump and your chain would just fall off your front chain ring because the derailleur slapped so hard you know clutch derailleurs changed mountain biking with gears S- seriously it just made it a way different ball right game. and one one by also just because it lets you avoid chain suck for the most part. I mean, but arguably, like, the clutch derailleur led to one by. Right, So, right, yeah. it was the beginning of the end of gear sucking. Old school Geo mountain bicycles, which he thinks are better than new Geo for East Coast twisty trails. I mean, there are new Geo... There are brand new 2022 bicycles that have steep head angles and, I don't know, I guess what you would call old geometry. Some saddle to bar drop. It just depends on what you buy. There's just more bikes available now, and fewer people are riding those, you know, lots of drop, real twitchy motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would do ride miss- like the relatively 
it's definitely not modern or even like two generations ago, but the three or four generations ago bike that we, that I want to say that I got like really familiar with. So think 2010 to 2014 era, that stuff in there, I would totally ride that with modern parts, like modern brakes, modern fork, all that stuff. I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with that geometry in like a 29er, for example. They were fine. Yeah, I would ride the Crave. If if someone out there in listener land had a single speed Crave frame in the Eccentric, I would ride it. But I don't need it. Um, the, the large didn't fit. You know, I, I finally realized that in those classic style bikes, I need, oh, well, in all bikes, I need extra larges. So I got rid of it. But I do miss that bike because it was a fun bike and it's very sentimental. I, I sold it for too little money for the memories it has. But also because it's gone, I don't have to fucking deal with it and keep sealant and tires and all that shit. So it's pretty good that it's gone. Andrea, do you remember that custom tie road bike that you got made that was like yes. unbelievably twitchy? I think I almost tucked oh the handlebars God. going out of your driveway one time. It was, but it was so good for racing. <laughs> oh my God. You could just think about turning and it just is, you're turning and it was amazing for what it was made for. <laughs> but then I moved to Colorado and it was not amazing for doing descents where you're going 30 to to 40 miles an hour in a crosswind we'd be descending and andrea would just be like i'm i'm just i'm I'm, i gotta check in in the savings and it's not set up (laughs) like that and i'd just be like can can we just go down the hill and she'd be like see uh you know um i gotta transfer it and it won't be ready on time (laughs) yeah uh, speaking of old school geometry mountain bikes, we did have someone that messaged. We just had someone suggest that the person who was looking for a single speed should look at the new Visago. I can't remember the name of the new Visago. It doesn't matter. They're all sold out. I looked at their website today. Okay. Every Visago is sold out. Yeah. So it's a new Visago. They're single speed. It's made for a 100 or 120 fork. They say it's like new old geometry, basically. We should shut this down before I fuck it up any worse. <laughs> All right. Well, it, we're probably going to record on the road without Kenny because we won't have real internet, so we won't be able to connect with the outside world. So with that said, we will have a show. It might not be on time after this one. We don't know yet. So. It'll be on time. Who knows? I'm always on time. Are you like the mail and Howard? <laughs> yes. You're always on time when you get here. <laughs> All right, I'm shutting it down. Good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your